Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure. I'm James King, the Bankers Europe editor, and I'm joined today by Andy Milzarek, Chief Executive of Chetwood Financial, a consumer digital bank focused on lending to discuss the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the UK's challenge of banks. Andy, thank you for being here today. Great to meet you, James. So obviously, we've heard a lot about the impact of the current health crisis on legacy and incumbent banks here in the UK. But in what ways is the pandemic really shaping the fortunes of the country's challenger banks? In terms of the direct impact of lockdown, operationally, we've been very fortunate. Our bank's engineered in the cloud, so we're able to send everyone home to work without any change. I know that some of the more legacy businesses have been struggling with their call centers and everything. That wasn't a problem for us, so we've traded 24-7 all the way through. I think, though, the, the economic consequences of lockdown will be very significant for banks, and we're just starting to see those flow through now. I remember last financial crisis, GDP suffered, but unemployment held up pretty well. I think this time it's going to be the opposite. I think GDP is already recovering, but I think we're going to be seeing pretty significant unemployment coming our way not just in sectors directly impacted by COVID, but I think you're going to get a second order effect where firms have managed through furlough and figured out they can be more efficient. So at the risk of stating the obvious, more unemployment means more credit losses. And this is the first downtown that this whole challenger bank sector has been through, really. Now, in a downturn, capital becomes harder to raise at a higher cost, and investors are more focused on a firm's path to profitability than maybe they have in the past. So I think business models are going to come under a lot of stress. I think, you know, at Chetwood, we talk a lot about having customers where we make a direct profit on each individual product that we sell. I think the business models out there that are focused on building large user bases through giving away loss-leading products with some sort of ill-defined future path to monetization are going to have real problems if they can't raise capital to cover their building operating losses, which in the meantime is going to lead them to make decisions that I think damage their customer franchise. Likewise, firms that are generating very low net interest margins on lending are now going to be viewed as higher risk because they haven't got that capacity to absorb the credit losses. One investor I spoke to recently described their philosophy as swim to the NIM, the net interest margin. And at Chetwood, we're a lending-driven business. Our net interest margin at the moment is around 20%. So we're feeling pretty well positioned for the economic challenges to come. Okay, and, and on those challenges, you mentioned there, you know, just the impact in terms of uh, some of the, 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 the scarring on the real economy we're going to see moving forward um, as this crisis unfolds. And I'm, I'm sort of keen to get your, your perspective here in terms of, um, you know, what will this mean for, for banks looking to, to engage with their customers from a lending perspective moving forward? I think it's clearly it's it's the thing we're spending a lot of time thinking about at the moment. I think even though we're an extremely digital business, engagement at times like this is a kind of combination of human and digital. So our first approach was to concentrate on supporting our existing loan customers. So we went out proactively to every loan customer to offer them a repayment holiday, and we developed a very easy digital way for them to take us up on that. So at its peak, we had maybe 15% of our loan book on a repayment holiday, which was a lot more than others have quoted. I've seen numbers 6% and down quoted. Now, fortunately, as those payment holidays are rolling off, the vast, vast majority of customers are back to paying behavior and 
you know, hopefully we've we've built some goodwill with customers by sort of going out and doing that. I think others have made it quite hard for customers to get to payment holidays, which which has follow-on problems. I think as then we think about new business and the bank, the big story is that the models we've built over the last 10 years are now going to be much less effective. You've had a 10 years of benign behavior. Your IFRS 9 models will understate the provisions you need to take and your acquisition scorecards will be wrong in both directions. You're going to find customers who have traditional good credit scores will be much greater risk and customers with traditional low credit scores actually will be a better risk because in this kind of recession, low wage customers will find it easier to get reemployed. They'll be back online. Whereas when the restructured wave hits, it's usually the middle managers who, who take the pain to start off with. So, you know, we're really fortunate. We've been building our data science team up since before COVID. So we are cycling and rebuilding our scorecards very, very quickly and turning those over. I think more traditional firms who've got a much longer development cycle are going to be worried about making wrong decisions. That's going to make them go risk off. You can see in the, the digital distribution partners that we work with, high street banks aren't selling loans on those platforms at the moment. They're retrenching a bit. And you'll see a bit of um, risk off, I suppose, across the industry, which means that for those that are brave enough to carry on lending, there's going to be opportunities there to make some good money, I think. Right. But so long as um, there's a rethink and a rebuilding in terms of the way that uh, institutions address risk from a lending perspective, as you, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you mentioned also the idea of, of generating goodwill with a customer. And I'm keen to kind of flesh that idea out a bit and to look at, uh, I guess, the role that, uh, that the banks, I guess, need to play um, you know, in society at large as this crisis unfolds, and in particular, looking at the way they can better serve communities. Do you think banks need to do more in this respect? We're very, very focused on customer research with Jetwood. So we, we talk to hundreds of customers every week about stuff. And yeah, I think what they're saying to me chimes with my own opinion, which might be unfashionable, but what banks should do for society is stick to the knitting and do banking. I think customers are very cynical of CSR activities and greenwashing. And you know, customers don't want banks to be their best mates or with them for the journey. It's if, if I need money, I need you to get it to me. So, you know, as we saw in the last crisis, when banks aren't there to connect people who've got money with people who need it, society suffers. I was fortunate in the last financial crisis, I sat on the Home Finance Forum, which Paul Miners chaired. And I think as an industry, we did a really good job then of keeping mortgage finance flowing through what was a very difficult time. And if you think of a situation where those mortgages dried up, you'd have had a much worse recession because house prices would have collapsed and so on and so forth. So I think the main message for me is we need to find a way to keep lending, to keep supporting people. Um, more broadly, uh, one of our lead products in Jetwood, we've got something called the reward loan, which I think is a more meaningful banking product. The APR on the loan automatically reduces as the customer's credit score improves. So we're trying to reward good financial management, give them a behavioral nudge. But I think overall, look, we need to move past the banking cliche of taking away umbrellas when the rain starts. And I think the fundamental focus is on keeping credit flowing. I think the second order thing is. You know, as furlough ends, there's going to be a lot more unemployed people. And most of these people are going to be unemployed for the first time in their lives. And they're going to need different support. So <clears throat> when we're thinking about 
collections, you're going to have much more genuine can't pay customers who are going to need different support. And you know, we're working through a lot of different strategies to how we can help those people because it's not a classic, somebody's not paying, what are you going to go through? There is a macro wave, if you like, that's hitting people through no fault of their own. And you know, we are a decade or more into an, un an unparalleled low unemployment situation. So people are going to be doing stuff for the first time. So yeah, I, I think I don't think the answer of being relevant to society is coming up with new CSR stuff. I think it is as basic as look after their deposits, find a way of lending money to people, support them through short-term unemployment. Meeting their needs on a, on, a, on a very much a daily basis and being there for them. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And just a final point here, Andy, just around the question of, of, of regulation, actually, and obviously that landscape has changed and is changing um, as we speak. And I'm just keen to get a sense from you to what extent is the question of regulation posing a challenge today in conjunction with the crisis for challenger banks and for the sector more generally? It's interesting. You go back to 2015-16 when we were starting Chetwood. Very early on, we decided we wanted to go with the grain of the regulation. We would apply to be a bank. We wanted to provide banking products. And there were a lot of other folks I met at the time who were bending a huge amount of intellectual effort into find clever ways around the rules. So I'll get an e-money license. I'll not be a bank and everything else. And they caused a lot of grief for themselves. I think you know, my experience of the regulators through application and then through our first few years trading has genuinely been pretty positive, actually. They've been very pragmatic about getting the competition into the sector, but the rules are there to protect depositors. You know, if you look at what the PRA is saying about the new bank sector, I tend to agree with them, right? That you need, if you can't make a profit, you're not a safe bank and you need to be a safe bank. I think there are some technical areas which still need work. I think one area I'd call out is the mortgage capital requirements, the ability to use internal models which generate a much lower capital requirement. So a you know a mainstream bank could run a risk weight of two, three percent for a mortgage that I'd have to run a risk weight of 30, 40, 50 percent. But there's already stuff in train for that, the leverage ratio, CRD5. There's consultation papers around using bought data to build scorecards. So I think by the time we get to mortgages next year, it'll be close enough for us to compete. But I think broadly speaking, I think the regulators are, are doing the right thing in, in the environment. I think they've been, they've learned the lessons of the last crisis, if you like. I think it's been you know, the speed at which liquidity schemes were brought in and that support this time around was way, way quicker than we were 10, 12 years ago. Well, Andy, thank you for your time today. Thanks, James. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.